Thank you guys for leading us in worship. If you have your Bible, open that to Philippians chapter 2. If you do not have a Bible, we have something for you. We would love for you to take your chair Bible and open it to Philippians chapter 2. If you're unfamiliar, uh, that's the Christian Standard Bible. I've been preaching out of it for about two years. Well, when I say I'm preaching out of it, I preach it out of an amalgamation of the CSB, the Christian Standard, the English Standard Version, and uh, Southeast Tennessee. So, just this weird combination. Uh, we're in a unique text today. We're going to spend time in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. So if you're there, let's read along together. And, and now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But, but you know his proven character. Timothy's, because he served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. But I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my co-worker, my fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and the minister to my need. Since he has been long with you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this reason, I am very eager to send him to you, so that you may rejoice again when you see him, and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great honor. And hold people like him in honor. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ. Risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. This is a peculiar text. It is a unique piece of Paul's letter to us, letting us know the situations and scenarios in regards to two of the men who have been with him, two of the men that he has invested in. I love uh, television. Uh, some of you know that. If you don't know that, I do. And uh, television has changed over the years. I can remember uh, in as, as recently as the mid-2000s, you would watch a TV show and you had to deal with waiting from week to week to see the next episode. It was atrocious, barbaric. <laughs> Something took place when Netflix came out. If you're unfamiliar, Netflix is a, 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 it is a streaming service, but it's not always been a streaming service. Is there anyone in the room who was on Netflix when they would literally mail you physical DVDs, look at you guys, they would mail you physical DVDs, and when you had finished said DVD, you would mail it back, like on a pigeon's back or something. <laughs> Binge-watching shows is one of my favorite things to do. One of my favorite shows of all time was the show Lost. I watched the first two seasons in about 36 hours on iTunes. 
I stopped answering my door when people would knock. I would not go out to get anything to eat. I had random restaurants delivering me food before. That was something that was socially acceptable. I ignored people who wanted to bother me. But I watched the show Lost and I watched through other shows. And there are numerous episodes you will come across that are filler episodes. They are episodes that sort of advance the story, but they don't really seem like they do much to advance the story. So maybe you're a reader. You binge read books. Maybe you rushed through the Harry Potter series or flew through the Hunger Games. Maybe you read something and you read it so quickly that you missed pieces of the story. Maybe for you, you're like me. You grew up uh, in the... 90s, graduated in 1995. I remember when I bought my first cassette tape. And the cassette tape, because we really, we had to own things that made music and DVDs do stuff. You, you couldn't just make things fly onto your screen. I bought, a, a, the first cassette tape I bought was from the band Blues Traveler. They were like a great value Sam's Choice Dave Matthews band. And there were certain songs that would get to the radio, but then there were these other songs that were just filling out the tape. When we read through the book of Philippians, we have ran through some pretty huge passages. These peaks, they would get radio play. We have ran and noticed the things that would stand out from various episodes in the story of Philippians. We can binge read it, and there are numerous highlights. I'm going to give you some examples of those. And if you're in a life group, you'll chat about these tonight or whenever your life group happens to meet. In Philippians, many of us are familiar with what takes place in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. We see the vision that Paul has for the church in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, when he says to us, For me to live is Christ, for me to die is gain. We see that Paul challenges us to live a life worthy of Jesus Christ in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. In 2, verses 1 through 11, we see him challenging us to unity and humility. In, in 2, 12 and 13, we see working out your salvation, putting the salvation that God has offered you on display. In verses 15 and 16, we see shining as lights in the world over and over. The hits that come with Paul's letter of Philippians. Many of these that we know so well because they are highlights for us that we have memorized, committing them to our hearts, maybe even in multiple translations. We see 2, 17 and 18 that he, we are called to be poured out like Paul in sacrificial offering. But even when you get past the passage that we're in today, we get to Philippians chapter 3, and we talk about the power of the resurrection of Jesus. In Philippians chapter uh, 3, verses 8 and 9, we see about the peace of God. These are huge texts, instrumental texts. These are the texts that we memorize Philippians 4. And right here, what we are seeing today, it doesn't seem to fit, because in the middle of this massive letter that so many of us know so well, where we can run from peak to peak to peak to peak to peak. Paul gives us a travel blog. He tells us about these men. He tells us about what's taking place and why this is taking place. The rest of Philippians chapter 2 is about the travel plans of two men that the church at Philippi knew, Timothy and Epaphroditus. 
Paul usually includes a section like this in his letters, but the thing is, it's usually at the end, but right here he throws it in the middle of the letter. Why in the world would Paul want to include this for the church at Philippi and through God's grace for the church that meets here and the church universal? Why would God put this in the Bible through Paul? Because Paul's been talking about humility. He's been talking about having the attitude of Christ Jesus. And right here in the middle of the church at Philippi, I'm going to hold up to real life, living, breathing, God-honoring, image-bearing examples of what it means to have Christ's attitude and Christ's humility. What you have are illustrations of what Paul has been saying throughout the entirety of the text. Remember, he says to us, do you have the encouragement from Christ Jesus? We would significantly want to say yes. Uh, Do you have comfort from his love? Yes. Do you have unity in the spirit? Yes. Do you have affection and sympathy? Yes. 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 Then be united. Well, why would you want to be united? How can you be united? Well, do that by by not being selfish and conceited. Do that by being humble and making other people more significant than you. Do that by looking out for the interests of others. This piece of the text is a response to the questions that he's posed earlier. None of you have a favorite verse that comes in Philippians chapter 2, verses 18 to 29. If a friend of yours is having a bad week, no one has ever said to them, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Because they're wondering, why are you sending someone named Timothy to my house? If you do, that friend is asking questions like, who is Timothy? How do you say Epaphroditus? Is either one of them bringing a cookie cake or an edible arrangement? Paul in this passage is drawing attention to paraphrase one pastor to the ears and elbows and knees of the body of Christ. The parts of the body that rarely draw attention to themselves, these things don't stand out. No one has ever looked at you and said, hey man, you've got dope knees. They are necessary, however, to function properly. They are needed. We need men like Epaphroditus. We need men and women who will live in the way that Timothy lived. We need these people to show us what real life Christianity looks like. And it's not always about Samson's and David's. You have these natural examples that Paul gives of the church. These pictures of what it means to walk with Jesus, to trust Jesus wholeheartedly. Even though they're just normal people. Why would God want us to hear that? Because this church and every church like it is made up of normal people who've been called to do great things for the message with the message of Jesus in mind. I was asked in November to write a week of a study for a book entitled How to Be a Man. I reminded the person who was asking me, you know I've never like hunted down a bear or a boar with a survivor knife in my teeth. I've never camouflaged up. I hunted doves one time with Danny Keir, but that was on a fundraiser, and I just ate banana pudding the whole time. (laughs) Paul shows us some men that we would not expect to be considered manly. Paul shows us some men who live out what it means to follow Jesus. He's sending Timothy from Rome. We see that. Go with me to 19-24. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. 
For I've got no one else who's like-minded who would genuinely care about your interests. I also seek their own in- who also seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know of his proven character, because he served with me in the gospel ministry to like a son, like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. He's sending Timothy from Rome. Timothy was very much unlike the Romans. He was very different than them. Even though he was a Roman, he did not do as the Romans did. He was timid. We read through the scriptures and we see the idea that there was a possibility that the person of Timothy was timid. He is more reserved than those people who were brash, full of bravado in Rome. But Paul says this about Timothy. Paul, the one who wrote the large portion of the New Testament. Paul, who invested in Luke, who wrote another large portion of the New Testament. Paul, directly or indirectly, has affected much of the New Testament. More than likely four-fifths. And this Paul says about Timothy, No one else represents my thoughts on anything in the way that Timothy does. So the message that Paul has for us is that living out a godly life is not about putting on display bravado. It's about living in a way that lines up with what the scriptures seem to be teaching us. Verse 20 shows that he cares. It says to us in verse 20, I have no one else who will genuinely care about your interests like I have Timothy. In this church, they were evidently dealing with some people who had their own interests in mind. And Paul said, this person that I'm sending, he cares for you deeply. He's compassionate, which is countercultural, which is against the grain of what was happening in this church. And, and Timothy is consistent. You see that in verse 22 of the passage. You know his proven character. You you did not just see him on his best day, you've seen him on his worst day. And you see, even though he is a real human who deals with real emotions and real needs, he's putting on display this message of Jesus consistently. As much as Paul references people thinking like him, Paul did not want them ultimately to, to display the message of Paul. He wants them to line their lives up with the message of Jesus. Do our lives look like the message of Jesus? Are we people who consider the person of Jesus, who think highly of the person of Jesus, whose hearts are in tune with what Jesus would have us to do and who Jesus would have us to be? Do we consider what it means that when Paul gives us a picture of what it means to have Christ's attitude that you see in Timothy, that we would say, that's what I want my life to look like. Timothy is timid and reserved, yet he is compassionate and he is caring. And Paul says these things matter for the church. And those things have not stopped mattering for the church in 2021. That we would have men and women who display the good hope of Jesus through compassion, care, gentleness, patience. You move from Paul to, rather from Paul talking about Timothy to Paul talking about another person in the text. The other person is named Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus is much more difficult to say than Timothy because I know someone named Timothy. Thankfully, I don't know anyone named Epaphroditus. It's a unique name. I was texting with Pastor Josh Rieger. If you don't know Josh, he is here because his wife has been going through chemotherapy treatments in the States, but he is a pastor in England. And he let me know that growing up, Epaphroditus was his favorite person in the Bible. And I replied to him, that is the nerdiest thing anyone has ever texted me in a British spelling. 
But when he read through a when he read the story of Epaphroditus, he told me when his dad was memorizing the book of Philippians, Epaphroditus stood out to him because of the things that were said about him. There was something there that caught his attention. Would it catch our attention this morning? But I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. He's my brother. He's my co-worker. He's a fellow soldier. As well as your messenger and minister to me in need. Since he's been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but also on me. So that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. For this, is reason, for this reason, I'm very eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him and I may be less anxious. Therefore, I, therefore you welcome him in the Lord with great joy and, ho- and hold people like him in honor because he came close to death for the work of Jesus Christ, risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. So when Paul gives examples to the church at Philippi of what real service looks like, he talks about timid Timothy and sick Epaphroditus. He's a member of the Philippian church, unlike Timothy, but he is sick. His name comes from the Greek goddess of love, Aphrodite. Coincidentally, she's also the goddess of gamblers. Uh, Paul is running with that idea when you see in verse 30 that he would risk it all. Epaphroditus, when you read through his story, you notice that he has traveled between 700 and 1,200 miles based on the route which we are unsure of to get to Timothy, to bring a monetary t- uh, to get to Paul and to bring a monetary gift to help Paul out. If you are unfamiliar with 700 miles, that is further than Lubbock. It's further than El Paso. Do you know how big this state is? And when he traveled to Paul, he traveled to Paul to represent the Philippian church and to help Paul in prison. He brought money from the church. But as he got sick, when he got sick, he did not stop. He kept going. And Paul says, he's your brother, he's your co-worker, he's my brother, he's my co-worker, he's my soldier, he's my messenger, he's my minister. Why in the world would Paul use terms like that about Epaphroditus to build him up in the sight of the church at Philippi? Because there was still the possibility that there was some odd underlying teaching that if something bad happened to you, that God was against you. And Paul is saying to this church, this person, I want you to know that he risked it all so that he could be with me. So that he could care, with, care for me. And this Epaphroditus, who we don't hear a whole lot about outside of this passage, Paul says, this person is my brother. He is my co-worker. He is, my soldier. He is a soldier. He is a messenger. He is a minister. This everyday normal person who we don't really talk about in conversations much, when we talk about champions of Christianity, Paul says these things about him. I don't know who your spiritual hero is, 
But, but Paul is using this idea, this visual to help us to see, to help us to know that the idea of being united in the message of Jesus is not about the people who get the accolades, who get the medals, if we still gave medals. It's about lining your life up with, for the hope of God, with the hope of God in mind. Paul says this about Epaphroditus. Honor him. Honor him. When's the last time that you sought to honor someone that was just living an everyday normal life for the sake of Jesus? When's the last time you wrote a card or an email or a text message to tell someone you noticed that they are seeking to show and display Jesus? When's the last time that we were remembering the togetherness of all of this? Paul is giving direction to the church at Philippi as to what it means to, to treat these people like they would treat him. It's this familial idea that we see in the Bible. Church is a family. That's one of the things that I believe that we that is really lost upon us in the year of our Lord 2021. That God has brought us together as a family. Now we are more than that. We're partners in the gospel, but God has unified us as a family. And as a family, we have uh, familiarity. Now that doesn't mean that we all have to know everyone's business. As a matter of fact, we probably function better as a family by not knowing everyone's business. You're on the text thread, you know. We function together with the message of Jesus in mind. We work together. We realize that God has given us a purpose together. Family is an odd thing for me. I grew up in a home. My dad struggled with multiple addictions. My mom had, had cancer. My family took the, the fun out of dysfunctional. So... My grandmother, who was in her late 70s, made sure that I was at church every Sunday. And I learned about what it meant to be a, a person who followed after Jesus, not from my father or not, but from this little lady and these men that she would make me hang out with. I, I learned what it meant to, to care for people. from a guy who drove a church bus named Brian. My grandmother didn't drive. She made me walk to church with her a couple times. That wasn't cool. But Brian would park the bus in front of people's houses and he would put a little step stool out and he would help the little old ladies who were on the bus onto the bus. There was one little lady that we would pick up. We had a, a potluck at church. And when we had this potluck, she brought a bag of chips. I noticed there was a clip on it. Just showed up with what she had. I didn't touch those chips. I was anti-germ then. Keep your open bag. But I noticed her contributing to what it meant to be the church in her very small way. I noticed that there was a man 
named Tom who lived like in the in the projects that were pretty close to our house. And every Sunday we would pick him up and get him to church and we would make sure at night that he got home safely. I noticed that God um, used people like that. Not just those guys, like Sunday school teachers. A, a man named Bill Reiner who, who would make sure that that I was at church and he made sure I had a Bible. It was a King James Bible so I was this is a, that's a thing a lot. But he made sure to circle passages that he thought I should know in King Jimmy English. I, I learned something about the mission of God from these people. And these aren't people that we know. You've probably got those people. Whether it's a bus driver or a little lady down the street or, or whomever. But they aren't the grand champions of the Bible that we always think of. They're not even the Billy Grahams or the Billy Sundays or whoever the third Billy is. It's everyday normal people who believe the gospel to matter. Who believe that the message of Jesus is the most important thing in the world. Does that mean that they won't make mistakes? Uh, no, it doesn't. People make mistakes all of the time. But, but it means that we are together in the idea of pouring ourselves out. Sometimes we negate how important it is that we've been brought to this message of Jesus. We miss the, the value of it. Uh, for some people, we think that it, living for Christ's sake means that we would end in martyrdom. That we would die for our faith. And because we have martyr stories, which are so bold and so big, we can miss that your everyday story still matters. That this picture of Timothy, this picture of sick Epaphroditus, that these are men who are pictures of what we find in Philippians chapter 1, 5, when it says they're partners in the gospel. Paul's not just talking about Luke and Peter. He's talking about these men. We, we miss that God who began a good work in them, he, he was carrying out to completion. That's not just about John Piper. It's about Brian who picked me up on the church bus. These men showed us what it looks like to have an affection for Christ's church. That's not just found in people who write how to do things from Lifeway or whoever your preferred Christian retailer is. It's Laverne Thomas who taught me every Sunday after Sunday with this flannel board at church. We see in these passages what it means to live a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus. And that is not just an opportunity for those of us who are in the grandiose place. It's for all of us. These men, these names of my own history, and you've got names in yours. They show us what it's like to live a life poured out. Chad, but my story isn't good. Listen, friends, everybody's story ain't breaking bad. That's not the deal. How many of you guys have a coin cup in your office? Any coin cup people? Marty was cleaning my office. She arranged my change one day. I really appreciate that. <laughs> or a coin jar where you put your coins. 
kids' coins were these things we used to use to exchange before we could just hold our phone up and say, Give me that tea, Bucky's. <laughs> Maybe you use the ashtray in your car to put your change in. Let's imagine that you've got a jar that's full of $10,000 worth of coins. Which is a great jar. You are rich if it's in Bitcoin. So let's say that you have a martyr, someone like Paul, who pours this jar out completely, like $10,000, just bam. Big, massive conversion story. Saul, who was persecuting Christians, no longer persecutes Christians. What a story. Let's consider another way that cup is, that cup is emptied. Let's consider the way that Epaphroditus empties that cup. He gives a quarter here. He gives a penny there. He gets sick and takes out a couple of nickels. And he pours out of his jar until all of it's gone. Who spent more money? They both spent $10,000 worth of change. In this room, I've got people who distribute their coins each and every week. In our church, we have people who do so. Reminding us of what Acts chapter 20 says when it says, My life is worth nothing less unless I use it for doing the, the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. We pour out our coins based on our certain situation. I know that I have some of you who work with ministries in our community. Pouring out your coins for the sake of Jesus there. I know that David Stanley regularly helps. Serving the Pregnancy Help Center. I know that Miranda Corn uses much of her energy to serve the Refuge for Women, a ministry that is much needed in our day, if you've watched the news recently. I know that I've got people who serve through our church directly. Greg Baker oversees a ministry... to 5th through 8th graders every Wednesday night. He's got helpers like Danny Keir, Danny and Melissa who bought their own church bus so they could get people here. The uniqueness. And you've all got your own things. I know how weird you can be because you're all introverts. You don't like to be embarrassed. I'm up here sobbing myself. This is the weirdest sermon ever. But I got guys who get in the sound booth every week and make sure that I sound okay as long as I remember to turn my microphone on. Church discipline later. 
We've all got these stories. There have been numerous. I get here every Sunday morning around six, between six and seven. There are Sundays where the Calhoun family's out cleaning off that fence that doesn't even belong to us. That I've tried to get Marty to get torn down. We'll tear it down and ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> we pour ourselves out. We're united in a story. Don't think that the way you're telling it. That it doesn't matter. But don't lose sight of what that story is. Taking for granted the opportunities that Jesus gives you. Don't do that. I pray that I won't. I pray that you won't. So I pray this really weird story, piece of the middle of the story of the book of Philippians, where we get a travel reconsideration, would encourage us to be about the mission of Jesus. In everyday, normal, practical ways. Because the message of Jesus goes forth through normal people. Not just people that we think are heroes. Heroes fail us. It just shocks us when they do. Be present. And realize the opportunity God gives you. Should bow our heads this morning. You bow your head. I'll bow mine. Hopefully, um, this message of the good news of Jesus displayed through normal lives has been obvious from what this passage teaches. If you're here and you've never known that good news, God invites you to that. To use your talents for the sake of His kingdom and to use really just your investment for kingdom's sake. If you're a believer in Jesus, I pray that this passage has encouraged you unexpectedly in the way that it did me. If you need me, I'm in the back right-hand corner of the room.